Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, as always, Chad Cruz. And Chad, are you ready to rumble? I am indeed ready to rumble, and it feels like I've been ready for a long, long time. Well, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Here's somebody I know is ready. In the guest spot this time out, Toy Man. He is back, Christy Petrillo. Chris, welcome back. Or the Toy Am, as your uh, Zencaster invite said. (laughs) Did it? Well, there you go. But you know what? We were in a bit of a rush, you know, technical difficulties and all that. So I can let it slide just this once. I'm surprised you didn't immediately delete that. I would (laughs) have. Well, you you know, yeah, you're a stickler for details, Chad. Absolutely. Uh, So what we're going to be doing while we're talking about rumbling and whatnot is because we asked our Twitter followers at Bulletproof Pod to vote on a poll of Jackie Chan movies, Jackie Chan movies that were available on Tubi at the time of the poll. I cannot guarantee you that they're still there right now, but I know, Chris, you're a big proponent of Tubi. I am a big proponent of Tubi. I would say that Tubi and I get together daily for some good old-fashioned viewing, sometimes literally old-fashioned. There's some classic stuff on there, like Chuck Norris Karate Commandos, which I recently reviewed for No Surrender Cinema. You sure did, and I didn't even realize that it was in the. It only had a single digit number of episodes. I thought that thing ran for like a season or two, and I just didn't watch it. Yeah, I I was pretty much convinced that there was like that whole sixty five episode run, and it was just the same five episodes constantly repeated during childhood. I've got a uh, pretty much every toy from that line, but I've never seen a single episode from that show. Well, you sir are doing yourself a disservice, but the toys are I awesome. Know. I think I have the sumo guy for some reason, and I don't know how I got him, but I have him. He's in a box with Remco parts. Just is he the only whole figure? Like he just tore apart all of your AWA wrestlers? He yes, he he must have torn up a bunch of them. He- I have some whole AWA, but they're on display. But there's a there's a box of pieces and parts. Was he the Akabono to your Baron von Raschke? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> poor poor Baron. Uh, so yeah, Tubi. We love Tubi, and so we went to went there and found four movies of Jackie Chan that were streaming on Tubi. We put them on a poll, and here were the results: First Strike with eleven percent, The Protector seventeen percent, City Hunter twenty seven percent, and the winner with forty five percent, Rumble in the Bronx. That's the movie we're going to be covering here on this episode of the Bulletproof Podcast, and it's great chat because this is something the fans obviously want. It is absolutely, and and we enjoy doing these polls because uh, it, it takes it out of our hands a little bit, and it's fun to see what people want to hear about or want to read about if it's a written a written way. But um, yeah, I, I kind of, we all kind of thought Rumble in the Bronx would win. It did. Um, I thought First Strike would have a higher total, and it didn't. So I'm an idiot. Uh, I love First Strike, and to be honest, I don't know if I've ever seen The Protector or City Hunter. So. Um, there was really no way of losing in this poll for me because I, I would have watched any one of these. Right, right. I, I would agree. Yeah, and there's some on here that I had never seen City Hunter. I've seen pieces and parts of The Protector, but never the whole way through. So I was excited uh, as well with whatever the result may have been. Um, now, if you missed out on being a part of this show and, and helping us shape this show, I want to talk about something else coming up in July right here on the Bulletproof Podcast, and you may have already seen it if you're following us. Again, at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter, at Bulletproof Action on Instagram and Facebook. There are uh, posts up on all of our social media platforms right now asking for your feedback, your top five favorite Sylvester Stallone action movies, because on July 6th, which is not coincidentally Sylvester Stallone's birthday, there is a method to our madness. We are going to be doing a Sylvester Stallone countdown. We're going to compile all the the feedback we get from our social media followers, and then we're going to count them down right here on the Bulletproof Podcast. Chad, I'm excited about that one. Oh, I'm sure you are. I mean, he's got such a a great filmography, so many great characters, you know, between Rambo, Rocky, uh, uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Ah, you stole my joke. (laughs) (laughs) So my bad. Uh, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's done shit. He's been around for a thousand years at this point. Uh, and he's made, he's still making action movies to this day. So you, you have to love the guy as an actor, as an action star. And 
And whatever he's putting in his veins right now, I'd like to get me some of that. <laughs> Drugs is what I'm saying. I, I understand the, what you, you were getting at. I'm, I'm going to guess some of these more uh, modern Stallone uh, action movies probably aren't going to make the cut. Uh, but you know what? You never know when you throw it you throw it out there and, and put it in the hands of of, of the followers on, on social media. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you people put all five Rockies as your number one, like tied, okay, you're just throwing away your vote. So, you know, come on now. There's, and there are six Rockies, by the way. There were? Oh, that's true. You're Rocky right, Rocky Balboa. Balboa. So there you go. See, I, I yeah, so don't put all the Rockies because that's already six. So I can't even just put, okay, you must want one, two, three, four, five. So no, you're done. So yeah. Give it some thought, everybody. I mean, to be and, fair, not too many people want five. I don't mind part five, but you'd probably still right. get five Rockies out of the six. Yeah. And if you include the two Creed films as well, I mean, there's, there's, right. there's seven eight or eight, movies, right? now. eight. I can't, yeah. I can't add. So it's going to be great that I'm in charge of compiling this data. <laughs> you know, I mean, as for modern films, Expendables 2 should be up there for sure. But uh, if anybody votes for Grudge Match, we're going to have a talk. <laughs> I will forward that name on to you, Chris, if anybody does, in fact, put Grudge Match on their top. Or you'll see it yourself because you, of course, follow us on all our social media platforms. That's, so you'll see. That's true. What kind of a staff member would I be? I, I well, I, uh, yeah, exactly. You would ignore <laughs> it and just let somebody else deal with it. All right, so let's get into this right now. We're going to talk about Rumble in the Bronx. Uh, it was released here in the United States on February twenty third, nineteen ninety six. Actually, came out in January of ninety five over in Hong Kong, um, and we get Kyung Jackie Chan arriving in New York, or as I've been told many times. This is really should be called Rumble in Vancouver, but we're going to just go with the movie magic. And this is Rumble in, uh, Rumble in the Bronx. So Jackie Chan arrives in New York. He's picked up uh, from the airport by his Uncle Bill, played by Bill Tongue. And Chris, we've seen Uncle Bill in other Jackie Chan movies, we usually have. playing Uncle Bill. Yes, he's Bill all the way, uh, most notably the Police Story series. And in this one, Chad, Uncle Bill owns a supermarket in the Bronx, and he's about to get married, and he's looking to just sell off his store, retire with his new bride. Yeah, what a what a great move from Uncle Bill. Um, he's got this lovely store on the corner there in the Bronx, uh, graffiti on the walls, gangs just kind of walking around outside, just eyeballing all the merch inside, thinking about breaking it up and, and stealing it. And Uncle Bill... Uh, he finds this new bride, wonderful, wonderful lady, very affectionate. And uh, he decides to, to just sell it all, you know, get rid of it, move on, move. What do they want to get a farmhouse or something like that? I believe so. Yeah. And it's all a big surprise, not to Jackie that he wants to get married and to settle down finally, but of who this bride is. Right. It's not who you would expect uh, Uncle no. Bill to have fallen in love with. But you know what? The heart wants what the heart wants, Chris. That's true. As long as he's happy and uh, it, it kind of adds to Jackie's little fish out of water story there. Yes. We also uh, meet Bill's young neighbor, uh, Danny, played by Morgan Lamb. Uh, Danny is in a wheelchair and he lives with his older sister, uh, but his older sister never seems to be around. So that's going to come into play here uh, as the movie progresses. But then we also meet the prospective buyer of Uncle Bill's grocery store, uh, Elaine. Uh, and we get a little uh, security mirror hijinks here with uh, Kyung. I'm pretty sure this is how Chad wakes up every morning, just kind of gets motivated yes. to start his day. Yeah, it is. And I, I, as I walk by, every every room that has a mirror, like anywhere near a doorway, you just kind of give that pause. Uh, if you haven't seen the film, Jackie Chan is he's helping out Uncle Bill throughout the store, and there's a, there's a two-way mirror. Um, in the back of the store where Uncle Bill's office is, and he doesn't realize it, that it is what it is, and he's he's just staring at his own muscles in the mirror, and he's flexing and popping zits and all kinds of shit. <laughs> and on the other side of the mirror is, of course, Elaine and Uncle Bill, and everyone just kind of laughs at him. The the Jackie Chan comedy element that you know he brings to all his movies on full display there. Uh, so. 
the first night that uh, Kyung is there, uh, he doesn't get a very good night's sleep because those gangs you talked about, Chad, they're having like races on top of cars that are parked on the street. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, not, I don't, not the neighborhood I want to live in, but you know, maybe you, maybe you, you come into town, you get an Airbnb and you have a rental car with insurance, uh, yes. and you happen to wake up at 4am and you, you look out outside the window and what do you see? A couple of dirt bikes riding over top of the cars and rampant, uh, rampant shit. And it's, it's pretty fun to watch. And of course, Jackie being Jackie, you know, he, he, he takes the easy way down and basically jumps out the window. Uh, and uh, is able to save his uncle's car just in time, but of, of course, in doing so, the gang kind of puts a puts his face in the back of their mind. So you know they're they're going to meet each other again later. Yeah, he uh, his uncle had borrowed a nice fancy car for the wedding, uh, and um, it was about to get destroyed. Jackie to the rescue, but uh, it cost Nancy the race, Chris. Yeah, and Nancy and becomes a key character here. The the deleted scene was actually that Crew Jones won the race. This was actually a spinoff <laughs> from Rad. This was actually uh, a indirect sequel to the Rad movie. I I did not know that. <laughs> you know, you were obviously the the right man for the uh, guest chair with that kind of knowledge that you're bringing here. I'm more of a dirt bike kid guy. Ah, touche. <laughs> uh, I smell a movie Kumite coming. Um, <laughs> so. Nancy, we find out, is the girlfriend of the the leader of the gang she's involved with, uh, Tony. And, uh, you know, so that's, you know, now, like you said, Chad, now uh, Kyung is uh, on the radar of this gang and, and not in a positive way. No. And, of course, you know, you, you know that they're going to come to blows at some point. Uh, it's a Jackie Chan film. He's the fish out of water story. He's in the Bronx, doesn't know anyone except for, the you know, the, the, the immediate people around him. And there's there's questions about the gang activity around the shop. Um, so with his uncle leaving town, you're guaranteed that there's going to be like a, a shitstorm of gang activity coming down. And uh, luckily, let's just say luckily, Uncle Bill is able to sell the shop to Elaine <laughs> before he leaves town. Yeah. Chad, spoiler alert, Cruz here with us right now. And Chris, we then get, we then see, like, I guess it was the next morning on TV. There's a report about a big diamond robbery on the news. And again, it's one of those things like, okay, well this must be coming into play at some right. point later in the film. As yeah. Well. This wasn't just foreshadowing. This was five shadowing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. So uncle Bill gets married. He's gone, but Kyung has agreed to stay at the market and help Elaine get situated uh, because she's brand new to the grocery game. Uh, and we're about to see biker Angelo and Angelo is a, a big player in this thing as, as we progress and he's caught shoplifting uh, at the store. So Elaine tries to, to just call him out on it. That It doesn't really go the way she probably saw it going in her mind, Chad. No. And, and she has, she's got a pair of balls on her for sure. Um, um, she, she's not, a, a intimidating woman. It's not like she's got the police on the way or anything. So she's calling out this biker dude uh, for shoplifting at the grocery store. He's got like a candy bar or something, or he's got, he's got a bunch of crap in his pockets, but it takes quite a bit of gumption for her to even do this, especially knowing that Kyung is basically the only one there in the shop with her. Uh, luckily for her, for, for her, Kyung is uh, an expert martial artist and he beats the living shit out of like four guys. <laughs> right. Chris, this is where we, we first see, Jackie really in action like we're used to seeing unleashing the skills and allowing the young lady to become smitten with what she has just seen happen before her eyes very true and breaks Angelo's nose in the process um so now though this now if he wasn't already on the gang radar Chad he's definitely on the radar now yeah um, because as he's heading home after a long day of working at the supermarket there's there's a damsel in distress, and you know a guy like Kyung is going to get involved. He's going to intervene. So he has to. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just in his nature. So he goes after to see what's going on. But Chris, that was no damsel in distress at all. No, it was a uh, Vince Russo swerve. Because all right, bro. <laughs> it was uh, Nancy the uh, dirt bike rider 
It was a setup all along and a very interesting way of trying to attack Jackie uh, or Kyung in that they wrapped up their baseball bats with some old rags. Now, did they light them on fire? Did they dip them in tar and glass like Kickboxer 2? No, they decided to pelt him with glass bottles that they found in the nearby trash cans. And it begs the question that what about the backfire? Like, what about when you're smashing these? Like, they had some pretty clean hits that, like, nothing really yeah. shattered on their side. It all shattered on Kyung. So, very interesting way to take out their rival. A lot of work involved. It sounds like you may have some experience with this, uh, Chris. I- I'm sure the Statue of Limitations has run out, so you want to admit <laughs> to anything here on our program? Listen, if I had a glass bottle in a dark alley, it was not hitting it with a baseball bat. <laughs> it was probably warming up before we dipped into a club when we were not 21 yet. There we go. There, uh, the hand-eye coordination alone to me is like impressive because uh, we don't, see, you know, it's 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 edited, but we don't see the misses. We don't see Tony like swing in for the fences like six times and just barely tipping it, uh, or you know, Angelo or whatever hitting one into the dumpster. Um, so they're pretty damn accurate with it. But I'll I'll say that it was like t-ball for villains. Yeah, he was hitting them off Angelo's head, right? Yes. So luckily they probably weren't drinking these before they started doing this. And and this was also quite the crew that they had too. Like there was one guy that I swore was Velveteen Dream of uh, NXT infamy in the background (laughs) there. But uh, formerly formerly of NXT. NXT. Yes. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about movie Kumite's. How about uh, Manny Fraker's crew against this crew? We should, uh, we should talk about this one because this, this is the same type of urban jungle that uh, Death Wish 3 provided us, just on a very much more family-friendly basis. I would suggest not having me be the uh, mediator of that movie. No. <laughs> can, can you imagine what Charlie Bronson would do to this gang? Oh, that, it would be if a, he had uh, that Browning machine gun, I got news for you. Slaughter. They'd be done. <laughs> it would be Jackie Chan's first and last strike. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, they really. Uh, I mean, Kyung does not. He is bloodied and battered, and just he is not good. And but somehow manages to drag himself back to Uncle Bill's apartment, um, but only really makes it to the hallway, and pretty much is probably due to blood loss, just just laying there. And that is when we find out the sister of Young Danny. We've already met her, Chris. It's Nancy. Another swerve, another plot point, plot twist. And now we know why Danny's sister is never around. It's because she's hanging out in alleyways where bottles are being thrown at the new guy in town. <laughs> what? I thought she was in college and working and very, very busy helping. Well, that's what she tells uh, Danny. That's what she tells her younger brother. But uh, I think she may have been lying. Yeah, she doesn't want to keep him up at night. She doesn't right. want to keep him worrying. She uh, does, you know, she sees this. At least you, she has some sort of heart because she brings Kyung inside, cleans him up. And this apparently involved removing every bit of clothing this man had, Chad. Yeah. I don't. Did he have bloody underwear? I'm assuming. I mean, he was pretty beat I, up. I'm going to tell you from experience, you know, a lot of times you, you do want to cut the clothing off because you don't know where these wounds are. There are hidden wounds. You know, you, you see a wound on the chest. <laughs> You don't realize that there's another one on the mm-hmm. back that's bleeding twice as much. So you just got to cut it all away. And I, I'm, I'm agreeing in agreement with uh, with Nancy here. Strip him naked. Or, you know, he could have shit himself. Uh, <laughs> that could fear. also have happened. But, you know, he did. She could have smelled it. Well, he had to have had like a strong scent of liquor on him. Uh, so that yeah, would have. So, yeah, maybe she just laundered his That clothes could be it. So she's too. just like, oh, I'm going to clean all this shit. And, and you know, he can go right back to work in the morning like he does anyways, I believe. <laughs> he, well, yeah, he's not going to miss no, a day. He's a yeah. good man. All right. So that, that next morning, uh, Danny's out there and now he's all excited because he's trying to play matchmaker uh, with Kyung and his sister. Um, and Jackie's what, like 42? <laughs> <laughs> Jackie's the star of the movie. So oh, you're right. You're right. So he could do whatever he wants. All right. Well, then, the you know, Jackie or Kyung, as, as he is, uh, Another run-in with Tony and the gang, but this time, Chris, they're on their bikes. They're on their bikes, and this takes a whole takes it to a whole other level. It does because now it's out in the open. It's not discreet. They're not trying to lure him into a back alley. Now it's just 
broad daylight trying to take this guy out. So I don't know how that bodes well for their criminal empire when there's that many eyewitnesses around. Yeah, I don't know that these are the smartest uh, criminals in the world, is, is my guess. I'm not even sure what their goals are because they don't appear to be like making money off of any of these crimes they're committing. They're just like riding motorcycles down the street racing. I think they make their money by selling appliances based on the hideout that we see in a little while. But are they selling them? Because they're just kind of, you know, like the pinball machines are obviously in use. <laughs> they are. But look, look, before we get to the pinball machines okay, okay, and, and their appliances, we get, you know, we're, we get to one of the most dangerous places in all of action movies, the parking garage. Oh, yes. Yeah. We, we've seen so many action scenes start and end in a parking garage. Uh, people thrown off of parking garages, uh, the five levels up, off the roof, uh, shot in there, let the echo of the gunshot ring through the whole place. Uh, guys chasing each other from level to level, cars chasing, racing up and down them, pretty much everything you could think of. And now we have Jackie Chan fighting a, a gang of dudes on, on dirt bikes and motorcycles. Um, and and probably one thing that I've never, I know I've never seen it in another film. Right. I was and, about to say. Uh, they use a lot of things that we have seen, but there's one thing. Mm. Yes, there's Go like a it. there's a damn truck uh, comes off the top of the roof with a bunch of like uh, play. What are those balls that come into play pits? Yep, just bounce all over the damn ground below. <laughs> so if Jackie Chan, if he's if he's anything, he's a he's like a, a visionary when it comes to action scenes, and you can't put all the credit on him because he probably doesn't deserve it all. But but the man is essentially willing to do anything in an action scene and including having uh, a truck full of balls. He's climbing out of the truck as it's falling off of the roof. So, I mean, just one watch of this scene and you're like, what the hell is this guy thinking? <laughs> How do you write this in a script is my question. You storyboard it. You got to storyboard yeah. this stuff. Um, yeah. If you weren't already hooked at, at this point, I, I think this is the scene where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm all in on this one now. Um, Angelo, uh, Kyung gets a, a car antenna and starts spanking Angelo with it, which is interesting. Um, and then to escape though, Chris, we actually see him jump from one building to the next. And that's uh, really an impressive stunt. Yeah, definitely more, more successful than the crew from judgment night. That's for sure. <laughs> that is true. Very good. Nice callback to our previous episode. See, this is, you're a professional, Chris. And I, I believe that uh, director Stanley Tong attempted this same exact stunt uh, to show to just to show how safe it, it was to do it. But he did it using wires. Oh, uh, well. And then Jackie is like, the hell with those. And he just like, you know, took off running for it. He did it. He did. I mean, yeah. And, and <laughs> I mean, man, things are different, obviously, in the Hong Kong movie industry, because yeah. there is no way. No way, no matter how athletic or great a, a Hollywood actor would be, that the, they're going to allow him to do that. I wonder if there's just a, a group of guys waiting, like <laughs> like Jackie with a Y Chan and then Jackie Chang. Oh. And then, you know, they're going with the Bruce Lai thing. They're like, yeah. if Jackie dies in one of these stunts, we're going to swoop in Jackie exploitation movies. Oh, man, Jack exploitation would be great. <laughs> Maybe we should start this. And then, but what, what, I think you you'd have to kill Jackie Chan first, though, Chad. Okay, I, we can we can manage this. We but what this. a world we're living in, where you know, if we tie this into one of our other favorite pastimes, that being pro wrestling, where you know The Rock can't do a certain match because of insurance coverage and putting a movie on hiatus if you were to get injured, and here we have Jackie Chan just like you know what, I'm the star of the movie. You're building you know these pictures around me, and I'm just gonna dive off a building onto the next one, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, and he actually did get hurt at some point on this movie because you see later in the uh, outtakes at the end, I don't know if his ankle was broke or his foot was broken. Because I believe it was on the jump. I believe it was when he jumped on the. Fire. It was when he jumped on the uh, the boat, the hovercraft. Oh, was it the hovercraft? Okay. Yeah, he jumped and broke his ankle, and then you know the crazy bastard that he is, he had like a cast, and and he uh, was he just kept going. Yeah, they they got a big oversized big oversized shoe on him, and yeah. He had the Chuck Norris jeans that, that had the flex in them, you know, so he could have the, the cast under him. All right. Well, Chris, now remember we talked about the five shadowing of the diamond heist. It all starts coming into play now. 
Are you talking about how the uh, Jewel Thieves wind up in another daylight ordeal where cars are, cars are smashed upon, people are shot, grenades are thrown, and uh, the jewels somehow wind up in the hands of one of the players that we were introduced to earlier? Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about, Chris. It's like as if though you're, you're reading my mind <laughs> or my notes. I don't know which. Did, where is the NYPD and all You mean this? the Vancouver? Oh, okay. wait, sorry. That's right. <laughs> wait, wait, wouldn't that mean that we get Mounties? Is Jacques Rougeau in the movie somewhere? <laughs> that would have made for an interesting movie. It certainly, <laughs> certainly would have. Because Jackie Chan would have jumped from a horse, uh, like into a pit of snakes, uh, and then he would have fought the snakes while backflipping off of a waterfall. That's probably the next one he'll do with uh, – Owen Wilson will be uh, some kind of Mountie themed. I like it. Martial I mean, arts. That could actually uh, be one of one of the uh, Jack Exploitation guys. Could be uh, Jockey Chan. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. He speaks French. Oh my god, he's he's French Canadian. I love it. It's perfect. So yeah, while all this was going on, uh, Kyung and Danny were out enjoying some fresh air, and uh, you know this. You know, when the bullets start flying, you know, obviously Kyung's worried about his, his friend Danny and he rushes him back, picks him up. Actually, he just runs him back to the apartment, uh, goes back outside, gets the wheelchair. Wheelchair somehow it just ends up in the hallway. Um, and who else goes into the apartment? But Angelo, who is the man who is now in possession of the diamonds. We get some FBI guys, supposedly, but again, it's another one of those swerves. These guys are actually bad guys. The diamonds end up in Danny's wheelchair cushion. Jackie ends up talking to the F- the supposed FBI guys. It just, things are starting to now happen. Things All these storylines are starting to intertwine. We're, we're in for some uh, interesting times here with, with these diamonds, Chad Cruz. Yeah, I mean... Th- <laughs> I don't know if we really needed the diamonds in the story, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> it, it, at this point in the movie, it just seems like a little much. Uh, we already have the gang. We already have Angelo being an asshole. Uh, but he, he does get the diamonds and he stashes them in, in the, the seat, the cushion of right. Danny's wheelchair to hide them from these uh, so-called FBI guys. It's putting more things into play. All right, so now he's got to come back at some point to try to get this seat. Right. I mean, he, he figured it was a good hiding place because, you know, Danny's not going to know about it. Except that he sits on that. He sits on that thing 20 hours a day. That's true. You know what I mean? That seems like the worst place to put he it. He should be really honest. only be 16. He should be getting a full eight hours. He should be, but he stays up late and plays video games, dude. We already know he loves video games and he stays up late waiting for Nancy. But can you imagine how chased you feel sitting on a sharp, unbreakable jewel, just, you know, trying to trying to yes. shift while you're sitting there playing your- Chad knows exactly what that feels like. <laughs> uh, Shifting around, sitting there playing your Game Gear and your Bart Simpson t-shirt, just uncomfortable all day. <laughs> and you know what, Danny? Stay the hell away from Kyung. Anyone who goes near him is in trouble. <laughs> Everyone around Kyung, is, their lives are worse for being around him. Disappointing, though, when he was carrying him around that we didn't get any uh, Crippled Masters-style action. Like, you know... Jackie throws him on his back and uses Danny's <laughs> arms to like knock some of these guys away or something. Oh, he he chokes somebody out with his lifeless oh. limbs. <laughs> what? That's taking it too far, Chad. Chad, that's really? more Steve. That's like a Stephen Chow thing, you know. He just like uses his legs that have no like. Uh, <laughs> muscle in them they're just like little they just kind of hang off of there and he triangle chokes somebody out with taking the old pool noodle and wrapping it around someone's neck (laughs) (laughs) so we you know one thing we didn't mention though is you know danny's not happy with this cushion and he's been complaining to nancy about getting him a new cushion and she finally wouldn't you know she finally does so they take the old cushion that now has I don't know, a lot of money worth of diamonds and just kind of toss it under the couch or wherever the hell it ended up. And that thing had to stink. Oh, (laughs) okay. Here we go. We're just, we're down a bad road. Uh, So now he's got this brand new cushion. So he's happy. Uh, And and Kyung's about to be happy too because he's going to see where Nancy really does work. 
And I think Chad's been to a place or two like this in his day. Oh, I'm way more than two. <laughs> with with cage dancers. Yeah, I've been thrown out of more than two in my life, and uh, but I have not seen the the, the same uh, the same setup that they have here because whatever this club this is, I'm intrigued, I'm curious, and I do want to go. Uh, as we see Nancy dancing in a cage uh, with a tiger, very. Erotic and exotic at the same oh, time. Not the same setup as uh, the 2002 TNA pay per views. <laughs> I think so. I think that they probably watched this just pre- like right before that. Uh, so yeah. So you know, there's there's definitely some romance now in the air between uh, Kyung and and Nancy. Which is we, we, which is strange because I always thought that Elaine and Kyung were the better match. Yeah, had something kind of brewing. Um. And then Nancy shows up and like she could be Kyung's daughter, essentially. <laughs> okay. But as I said earlier, he's the star of the movie. He can have whatever, know, whatever woman he wants. I just feel bad for Elaine. Well, and things are gonna get worse for her as we as we progress. <laughs> uh Tony and his crew are there at this club, uh, which probably is one of their many hangouts. There must not be a cover charge because as you say. I don't know how they're making money or living, but they are there and they are not happy to see what is going on between Nancy and Kyung, which, which makes sense. Now the next day, Kyung, Nancy, they're out on a date. Well, kind of being chaperoned, if you will, by Danny. Yeah. Danny is the ultimate third and fourth wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd go there, Chad. I almost was going to say it, but I'm glad you did it. But Danny me. went there a little bit faster because he's on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Momentum. So, so uh, while they're out there having a good old time, Tony and the gang go and destroy the supermarket in retaliation. So poor Elaine just dumped who knows how much money into this. But apparently we find out she has insurance. I mean, she doesn't come out and say it, but it becomes obvious that she must have insurance or an endless supply of cash. <laughs> I was really hoping that Elaine and Angela would end up together and that she could get the diamonds. You just want to hook Elaine up. I, I've got a bit of a matchmaker in me. You know, I've been watching uh, Married at First Sight recently, so I'm, I'm ready to put some people together. <laughs> you know, they're not the only one having a bad day, Chris, because Angelo shows up and spoils the day for Nancy and Keon. Yeah. Uh, you know, take, trying to get those diamonds back. Angelo, as we have seen, is not only a part of the gang, but he's kind of like the dumbass of the gang. You know, everyone just kind of looks at him like, you know, you're a fool, Angelo. You're the screw up. So now he's kind of got that moment in the sun with these diamonds. And here he comes going rip shit, trying to tear apart uh, the nice new cushion looking for the diamond. Yeah, he obviously did not realize this was a new cushion. I don't. I don't think they even looked anything alike. No, but, but he's, he's the idiot. He's the, you know, he's the... He, he's an idiot, and plus he was in, in, in a rush and not thinking about it. And like, yeah, how's he going to think that this kid's got uh, different cushions for different days of the week? No. Yeah, and he, he was getting bottles hit off the top of his head, and he probably got hit a couple of times, so brain matter is probably seeping out of his ears Ooh. at this point. So yeah. he's probably not all there. Probably not. And... I think this is about the time we find out the FBI guys are, well, I think we already knew. Yeah. We're all going to know soon because they put a guy in a wood chipper, uh, which that pretty much reinforces that a person's a bad guy, uh, Chris. Yes. Yeah. Th I mean, and this was uh, one of the scenes where it kind of went from being kind of like uh, jovial, kind of like the fun action and stuff like that to where we get a little bit of uh, a detour to some actual gruesome, like, hey, you know what? These guys are not screwing around. That's not very Canadian of them. <laughs> no, it was not. Uh, so, yeah, we find out, you know, obviously the gang, are, are we assume, are the bad guys as the movie begins. And they are. Uh, they, they, you know, they nearly killed Jackie in, the, in an alley. But then we find out there's even badder bad guys. And they work for a guy named White Tiger. Um, and uh, they want those jewels, or, or the diamonds, to be specific. Uh, so when Kyung, after all this has gone on, Kyung does finally show up at his job uh, that he promised to uh, help <laughs> Elaine with. Um, and Elaine does what any smart woman would do, and that's lay a major guilt trip on him. Yep. Um, you know, saying, you know, you weren't here when I needed you. Now look at this place. And she's right. She is right. 100% right. 
Um, and this is now, we talked about this earlier, Chris. This is, at this point, Nancy decides to uh, take Kyung to the, the gang hideout so him and Tony could just finally settle this this beef because it's getting out of hand and we get this, what looks to be an appliance warehouse. Yeah, this warehouse was probably adjacent to the one from the first Fast and the Furious movie because uh, while <laughs> they had you know Panasonic DVD players and uh, you know big tube TVs, here we had a plethora of refrigerators, uh, boom boxes, it looked like, several pinball machines that were smashed up. So this was kind of like one of those abandoned warehouses where you could, you know, when people go to storage auctions, this was like the the bargain, you know, the bargain basement warehouse where they were either running these low-level appliances out of there because these were not new fill-off-the-truck appliances. These were refrigerators that had... Uh, this was like the, the scratch and dent. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a rent. It's like a rent. Yeah, this center. was like the stuff that uh, Zed's gang for Police Academy Two was probably sitting on. <laughs> God, I was looking for if they had any JVC Kaboom boxes, but I did not notice any. Wasn't that a little bit after this? Because we're talking ninety five, ninety six here. So Kaboom box was ninety nine. That's probably why they weren't there. They were not yet sponsoring Raw's War. <laughs> Raw wasn't even War yet. No, it wasn't. New next new gen man. New generation. Yeah, we're still the new generation. Yeah, we still were in the new generation. Um, so what we do get though is a great uh, battle between uh, Kyung and uh, Tony. An awesome pool table fight, which is again one of those things that you're only going to see this in this movie. Yeah, if there's anything that Jackie Chan has done in his career, and he's done a lot of things, but uh, making unique fight scenes is one thing that he's absolutely done. And he's done it uh, time and time again in pretty much every film he's ever done. Is he, He's able to take uh, everyday objects, yeah, a shopping cart, a refrigerator, uh, a freezer, or you know, a pool table, as we see in this one, among all the other things I just mentioned. But he takes all these things and he uh, puts it into his fights in a way that seems, uh, I don't know, not normal, because no normal person would think this way, but in a way that like makes it entertaining, exciting, and very, very painful. Yes. I mean, yeah, he uses his surroundings to his advantage. Um, and, you know, you, we saw some of that in Rapid Fire with Brandon Lee. You could tell Brandon Lee obviously was a Jackie Chan uh, fan from when he's in that apartment and, and yes. taking on those guys. So very reminiscent of uh, Jackie Chan there. Um, Chris, after this fight though, it's like, uh, I don't know if it was a mutual respect was gained between both of the parties here, but uh, Kyung and Tony now seem to be on the same page. Yeah. And you know, what a, uh, what an extension of the olive branch to go from getting mutilated with beer bottles and broken bottles in an alleyway to saying, I hope the next time we see each other, we're on the same side or, or whatever he said. It's like, you know, is it one of those, you can't beat them, join them type of things. Or was the gang slowly realizing, Hey, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe we shouldn't be just hanging out in abandoned arcades and uh, you know, picking up, stolen refrigerators off the backs of trucks. You know, maybe there's more out there for us, just like, uh, you know, Danny's sister and stuff. Well, yeah, and it could have also helped that Angelo came back and told him about the guy going in the wood chipper. That might sober yeah. you up real quick. Well, sure, yeah, and like all, the old scared straight special. And all their shit's broken now, right? So, like, they have, how are they going to make any money? Uh, so, you know, join the good guys. Why not? And Kyung, he thinks he's calling the good guys because he got a card from the supposed FBI guy during that whole brouhaha on the street uh, where the diamonds first went missing. Um, and he calls them, but we find out, now they're going to know. Now everybody knows. We already knew it. But yeah. everybody knows that these FBI guys are really the bad guys. And now hostages are being taken. And uh, Kyung volunteers to go back to Danny and Nancy's apartment to retrieve the diamonds. But he gets uh, chaperoned on this uh, trip, Chad. Yeah, I mean, it, most of the film is not surprising in the way that it all goes down. You know, we know that these guys are bad guys, these supposed FBI guys. And we know that they're going to double cross people and, and essentially try to kill everybody just to get the diamonds back. So when Kyung takes them back there or he agrees to accompany them, um, it's no surprise that he has to use, once again, everything at his disposal to uh, outsmart the goons, uh, but also get the diamonds, beat the shit out of these guys, 
and then go right back to the one place that they know he's probably going to go to. Yes. Poor Elaine and her uh, supermarket. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, Jackie thought he out or Keong thought he outsmarted the bad guys, but uh, white tiger takes things to a whole new level. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a movie called bringing down the house and I don't know if the title was inspired by this scene, but uh, that is what we see here as the supermarket and the surrounding property uh, contained within the dwelling is pulled down, uh, leaving it reminiscent of that scene in Family Guy when Cleveland's house would often get blown up <laughs> and he would slide down out of the bathtub. Uh, so, you know, a lot of a lot of possible inspirational tones set by this scene because now the market is completely decimated with the entire front half of it torn apart by White Tiger's crew. Yeah, and poor Elaine was uh, sitting on the throne when this all went down, Chad Cruz. Yeah, she was taking a shit. Um, <laughs> it, it reminded me, you know, like the, real the, rumble in the, Bronx. the real rumble in her belly that went down into the toilet. Uh, it was like one of those dollhouses you get for your kids and it like it opens up and there's only half. You know, you get to like the back half of the house and the front half of the house. Um, but yeah, she was taking a dump, I think, and which made her even more angry because this was, you know, this was like pre-smartphone. So she didn't have, she wasn't, you know, you know, on swiping or she wasn't on eBay. Right. She wasn't Amazon. reading bulletproofaction.com. She wasn't reading Bulletproof, which is the best place to read while you're taking a dump. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was, she was getting it in. And her entire supermarket gets ripped to the ground. So, I mean, obviously she's angry and there's water spraying all over her and she's just screaming at Kyung. And it, it, it's sad. It really is because Kyung tries so hard to be such a good guy. And who would have thought that a dude named White Tiger would ruin your day like that? I don't know if she was swiping, but I hope she was wiping. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she got a chance to. Well, with yes. the water spraying everywhere, you could use it as a makeshift bidet. You know, Jackie's very yeah. adaptable in these scenes. You might yeah. as well be too. A very powerful bidet. She, uh, yeah, she'd be cleaned <laughs> out. It could be coming out of her nose, I think. But uh, yeah. it would be like uh, when Curly sat on the oil in that episode of the Three Stooges and it just shot. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that are are conspicuous by their absence is the police once again, because all this is going down. But I thought you were going to say the toilet paper. Well, that too, um, but uh, but Kyung goes to the cops since the cops don't come to this uh, scene apparently, um, and the cops convince Kyung to wear a wire. They're gonna bust White Tiger once and for all, um, and you know, Kyung really doesn't want to do this, but he needs to get his friends. You know, especially obviously Nancy is probably the uh, priority there, but his new friends he needs to get them uh, out of a. Uh, the clutches of white tiger and his gang. So here comes a scene, Chad Cruz, that really is straight out of a James Bond film. The bad guys, once they realize that Kyung is working with the cops, go for an escape and use quite the interesting vehicle to do so. They do. And it's the, not the vehicle that you would expect in the Bronx, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, it is a hovercraft, which uh, is it's not even like the hovercraft you, you hop on as a tourist, you know, down in New Orleans. It's like this big-ass G.I. Joe hovercraft. Right. That's exactly uh, how I was going to describe that. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect. Wasn't it the whale? I think so. My friend had one, and I couldn't stop playing with it as a kid, uh, the hovercraft. And, uh, yeah, so it, it turns into like this, you know, uh, jet, not jet ski, but it turns into the, the, the skiing, you know, barefoot skiing, uh, on the water and then they're up on the beach and there's little kids in sandcastles and Jackie's jumping off and tackling kids to get them out of the way. And it's, it's pure James Bond like hilarity because he's getting run over in the sand and buried in the sand. And Jackie's the kind of guy who can go from having uh, a funny scene where he's embarrassed and you see his ass cheeks or something. <laughs> and then the next scene he beats up 22 guys. So it, it's kind of the perfect scene for him in a way. It's it's his range for sure. Yeah, I mean, it eventually gets it's actually cruising down the street, Chris, and and a poor Lamborghini gets in its way. Yeah, and you know that cruising also. We also get like that little slow motion montage too, 
when uh, you know he's trying to save the kids and literally throwing children out of the way and uh, almost gets swept up in the hovercraft. And uh, you know, luckily Jackie makes it out of there a lot better than the Lamborghini did. Yeah, that Lamborghini, uh, that paint job was uh, ruined, and that's yeah, probably that's expensive. You get that detailed. Right. No, you, you can't. You can't buff that out. No. Yeah, it won't buff out. And then, and then, you know, Kyung as uh, the opportunist that he is, he sees this uh, this freaking metal looking sword. You know, not metal <laughs> like it's made of metal. Metal like heavy metal shit. Right. And it's all jagged and shit. And he grabs it, and while driving the Lamborghini, you know, blazing it down the street, uh, he's got the freaking sword hanging out the the former door. Uh, it just slices through the hovercraft, and it, it it's a really cool scene. It's again one that you won't see in any other film. It was very yeah. reminiscent of Chuck Norris's Karate Corvette from Karate Commandos. <laughs> again with the Karate Commandos. Um. So yeah, fortunately though, in addition to that giant sword, they also had about two billion rolls of duct tape because they were able to yeah. repair the hovercraft because uh, the bad guys end up spilling the beans as to where their boss is. And he's on the golf course. So what, I guess there was no other way to get to the golf course than repairing this hovercraft. And uh, white tiger gets the comeuppance that he deserves, Chris. Uh, yeah. He gets pantsed by the hovercraft, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, a good comeuppance. If you're a, a pranking senior in your final year of high school, and one of the classmen gets back at you. But hey, you know, this is Rumble in the Bronx. This is not, you know, R-rated Jackie Fair. This is a, a fun-loving romp through the Bronx uh, as best as could be done with uh, Mr. Jackie Chan. So, yeah, they leave White Tiger laying and, uh, you know, his paint job got ruined, I guess you could say, because his clothes are <laughs> shredded and he is left there on the course. Yeah, cheeks up. And, uh, yeah, I think this, you know, this ending <clears throat> just continued to add how out of place that whole wood chipper scene was because yeah. you know like you just said this wasn't some r-rated you know gory violent th- type situation it was it was more fun loving and light and for you know try to expose jackie chan to a, a the biggest audience possible here in america and yeah so again the, the wood chipper was a little bit dark there it was, it was quite the tonal shift yeah it was like uh someone had just watched fargo and they're like, oh, that scene was awesome. Let's do that in our film. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Uh, we get the end credits, uh, of course, with the classic outtakes, which have become kind of a, a thing for, for a Jackie Chan movie. Um, but final thoughts on Rumble in the Bronx, Chad. Uh, awesome. Really fun movie to watch. Uh you know, it's one of those movies that it kind of bridges the age gap. So it's not, you know, you don't have to wait till your kid's 15 to watch it. You know, you can, you can put it on when he's young enough and you can all laugh at the, all the ass cheeks and people pooping. And then just like <laughs> maybe have a brief discussion about the wood chipper scene, but you don't have to worry about it too much, but the, the film's fun. I mean, the action scenes are awesome. It, it, it really is a great introduction to for someone who hasn't watched a lot of Jackie Chan movies. Chris. I mean, it's a classic, you know, I mean, we do get a rather abrupt ending. It's kind of like, all right, you know, the hovercraft has just stolen all of White Tiger's clothes and <laughs> hooray, we win the end. Uh, but no, I mean, it is the it was the best way to expose Jackie to a wider audience. You know, he didn't go the R rated route. It was something like we already touched upon that, uh, you know, it, fun for all ages. And you get a little bit of everything, you know, the, the wood chipper thing aside, you know, the action was very good. Uh, you know, he's funny. He's charming. You get a little bit of a love story. You get a little bit of the big brother type situation with him and Danny. So, you know, he really touched upon everything here. Like there was something for everybody to appreciate uh, Jackie Chan in this one. And then you get the blooper reel at the end. So he shows that comedic side, um, you know, even in reality, you know, kind of goofing on some of the injuries and the falls. We see the cast that we talked about and stuff. So I think it was a, a good entryway into the U.S. market and one that obviously paid off because look what happened with Rush Hour and all the other films that right. took him to the top. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, and they they attempted to to get Jackie to become a, a, a star here in the U.S. You know, probably 10 years earlier, if not more, but uh, 
those did not take, but this one did. And, you know, it's just, I guess, a example of persistence paying off. They were going to get Jackie Chan over in Hollywood, and it happened. And, you know, it's funny because it, the other option, I'm sure there are others I can think of right now, but the other one would be, you know, Jet Li gets a, a smaller role in Lethal Weapon 4 or Donnie Yen doing, uh, you know, action choreography and, you know, smaller roles in like Blade 2 and stuff like that. And just kind of like slowly making your way into Hollywood. Um, but, you know, Jackie didn't do that. Like he made his own film. He did it his way. And it worked out pretty well for him. It absolutely did. So there we go. Our Jackie Chan Rumble in the Bronx episode, episode 42. And it took 42 episodes to get to Jackie Chan. But uh, that's another one off the list we can mark, Chad, because, you know, we've been making an effort here in 2021 to make sure we're covering some of these action stars that we have yet to cover. Yeah, yeah. And and there are more, uh, I'm sure, out there. Um, so, you know, hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. Uh, let us know what you want to hear. I mean, if there's somebody out there that, that you're a diehard fan of and we haven't touched on, as long as it's not Mark Wahlberg, we'll try our best <laughs> to hit their movies. All right. Well, I'm going to say this right now, Chris. Figures Toy Company really hooked me up. Uh, I recently placed an order. I got a Superman with the uh, kryptonite chains, uh, limited edition and two Jim Cornette figures. And I'm going to say the, the customer service was phenomenal and I, I'm enjoying the latest additions to my figure collection. I, and I think they look great over there in your collection. I know that you are quite the Superman fan and uh, quite the fan of old school wrestling. So that Jim Cornette will be right at home in your collection. But yeah, some of our finest figures, that kryptonite Superman is one of my favorite Mego style offerings that we do on the uh, DC retro side. So I'm glad to see that it has found its way into your hands, knowing how much love you have for the man of steel. And I know you uh, recently on Twitter shared uh, the news and on social media in general about the, the bloody variants returning and what a <clears throat> fitting character to uh, bring the bloody variants back. Yeah. And it is actually now in stock. Uh, the bloody new Jack uh, unfortunately, he you know is no longer with us. Uh, I wish he was here to see it because I do know that he was very psyched for it. Uh, we are not going to do every legend with a bloody variant like we did you know twenty some odd years ago. Uh, but you know where it makes sense, certain ones will be done in that style. Uh, New Jack is out now at figurestoycompany.com, and there is another one on the way. Uh, I will not leak any further information. Uh, some people may be able to guess, but it is. Uh, not just the bloody variant, but a, a whole new attire for the person to go along uh, with the bloody design. Mm-hmm. And Chad, I know there's a, a one figure that you have your eyes on over there. I do. From the Every, Ring of Honor collection. I do. I, I enjoy watching some Ring of Honor from time to time. And, and, and even more so, some uh, New Japan Strong and uh, Brody King, his first figure ever, I believe. And it looks mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you guys nailed the the, the, the head. I mean, the, the tattoos look great. Um, he's one of those guys, you know, who, who's been wrestling for quite some time now, for several years in the Indies that I've at least seen him. Um, and kind of blowing up these last couple of years. And he's got such a unique look. And you could either nail it or you could just botch it. And I think you guys nailed it. No, I appreciate that. That one got a lot of love. You know, I mean, I know that he himself was very proud of it, but there were some other stars in the industry uh, basically going off on how much they appreciated. I saw uh, Mark Andrews, a.k.a. Mandrews, uh, Alistair Black, uh, who will now most likely be known as Tommy End again. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of them giving a lot of love to that figure when it came out. So, yeah, that one's out now. The brand new Jay Briscoe just came out. Chase Owens from New Japan is now available in the Rising Star series. Um, that variant edition Jim Cornette just got restocked, the one in the green and red. So lots of good stuff over at uh, figurestoycompany.com on the wrestling end. And I know another one of your obsessions, Chris, other than uh, action figures, is the Dollar Tree. And, you know, I actually picked up a movie that I'm probably going to regret from the Dollar Tree called Lost in the Pacific. 
<laughs> I have not. Brandon Ralph. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of Superman. Uh, yeah. He's in there, and uh, yeah, I, it's it's there. I'm not going to promise anyone I'm going to open that anytime soon, but I did pick it up at the Dollar Tree, and I, I think, uh, well, hopefully you uh, won't get any text here before we wrap things up about the, the truck showing up, because I know you'll be, uh, I know you, you're out the door the minute you get the information. The uh, the Dollar Tree DVD drop is slated for this Friday, oh boy. but some stores in the area have already started getting them, and uh, one of my best friends that I've known since my youth uh, has become a bit of a Dollar Tree soldier and will kind of pop into the stores uh, in his town and surrounding area just to see if they've gone in. And he hit me up with a text today saying, hey, one of the stores has some stuff out and I got a flurry of pictures and he picked up uh, almost uh, about a dozen, maybe about like eight to ten or so for me. Um, But some good stuff in there. Uh, you know, the Protector 2 with Tony Ja on Blu-ray. Okay. Also Skin Trade Ooh, with Tony uh, Ja and Dolph yes, Lundgren on Blu-ray. I just recently rewatched that not too long ago. Yep. Uh, In Order of Disappearance, which is the movie that Liam Neeson's Cold Pursuit was based on. And a movie called High Rise with uh, Tom Hiddleston, a.k.a. Loki from the Avengers series. Oh, and Loki will be something we're covering on uh, BulletproofAction.com here this week. It starts up on uh, old Disney+. And I know you are going to be uh, most likely covering for us the latest in the Fast and the Furious saga later this month, Chris. Featuring my big brother as Vin Diesel's brother. That's right, John Cena. Wow. That's right. I will definitely be covering that one. The uh, specifics of the how, when, where, why are going to be determined. But yes, I am all in on the Fast franchise. And of course, got to go support family. So that one will be a special edition of No Surrender Cinema this month. And that's what those movies are all about, isn't it? Family. That's true. That is the theme of every Fast movie. All right. Well, Chad Cruz... Uh, not too long ago, uh, I did a piece on a G.I. Joe movie I wish we would have seen back in the 80s. Uh, in fact, not just a G.I. Joe movie in the 80s, a G.I. Joe movie done by Canon in the 1980s. And that uh, did quite well for us. Uh, got a lot of great feedback on that. But next time, we are going to talk about the G.I. Joe movie that we did get in the 1980s. Right, and I am very, very, very excited for it. Um, it, it the G.I. Joe, the movie, I mean, when it came out, I was freaking flipping out about it. I was a massive G.I. Joe kid. Um, it was pretty simple to, to shop for me when I was young, when you go to birthday parties and whatnot. Um, uh, maybe uh, one G.I. Joe, two G.I. Joes. You don't know which ones I already have in my collection. Just get me another Cobra Trooper. Right. It's fine. I could always use more Crimson Guards. So... A huge mark for G.I. Joe, Um, still am to this day, and I have a six-year-old boy, so we are planning on doing a watch together, and uh, I'm super excited to hear what he thinks about it. We've been kind of brushing up on some of the earlier animated series just to kind of learn some of the other characters, and uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, you don't want to kind of go too fast when you have a podcast. You're 40 some episodes in. We just got to Jackie Chan, but uh, I don't. I didn't want to wait too much longer to get to GI Joe because uh, I I'm a huge fan of it. I know you are too. I absolutely am, uh, and and I'm sure we will talk more about our fandom of that fantastic toy line, comic book, cartoon. I mean, it was everywhere. That was the thing. It just it took over lives in, in the in the 80s, and and I'm happy about it. And again, as we talked at the top of the show after our G.I. Joe episode, we are going to have our Sylvester Stallone celebration. So again, check out Bulletproof Action on Instagram and Facebook and at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter. So you could give us your top five Stallone favorite favorites. And uh, we're going to compile those and go that go uh, count those down on July 6th for Stallone's birthday. But guys, I think we are about out of time here feels like this took multiple weeks to record um and maybe it did 
you'll never, <laughs> you never know. know. You'll never know. So thank you. The Kurt. magic of the edit button. That's right. The magic of, the, you know, the, they say the most powerful tool in wrestling is the eraser. The most powerful tool in podcasting is the edit button, I suppose. So for Christy Petrillo and Chad Cruz, I am Chris the Brain. Thank you for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 